Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Dad Educates Daughter on 80s Music. I'm Russell and this is my daughter Rebecca. Hello. Hi Dad. How are you? Yeah I'm all right thank you. How are you? I'm good thank you. So last week you got given The Smiths, yeah. Men at Work, mm-hmm. Ice House, Men Without Hats, Asia, a new edition. So how did your week go? Well, like you said last week, you were unsure how this week would be. And I agree. Um, it's like, I don't know, you've had to give me the music. There's not much music, bar the Smiths. I mean, they took up most of my week. But it it's a mixed week without giving too much away. Because... The Smiths are very Marmite, and I'll be honest, I like Marmite, but I don't really like the Smiths. (laughs) I'm not not a fan. It's just, I don't don't know how to explain their music. Um, But yeah, I mean, obviously, they are the most popular group that you've listened to this week. Yeah, obviously. They are, but they're not a mainstream group. I mean, you probably haven't even heard of them. No, they had a very cult core following. I suppose right. they like The Cure, very much like The Cure in, okay. in, in um, the way they are. So, yeah. So how many number ones? I've gone for two. You've gone for two? Yeah. And I've said none are from The Smiths. None from The Smiths? Nah. I've gone for, gone for New Edition. No, Evan. Okay. I've gone for... <laughs> I've gone for Asia and Men Without Hats. Okay, Men Without Hats. So you're going with the safety dance. Yeah. And Asia, heat of the moment. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're correct with two. I thought you were going to be like, you're correct with both of them. I won't tell you the artists or the songs, but you are correct with two. Okay. Okay. I'll take that. I'm correct about one thing that doesn't happen often no so let's talk music then let's yeah. talk the smiths and let's see if they did have a number one or you're right in thinking they didn't mm-hmm. so what were your views on the smiths did you um what did you think of their music and did you see any of their videos um well i didn't get around to watching videos um watch videos for the rest of the week but didn't watch these, just life got in the way. Um, but I feel like there was enough music for me to get more of an opinion, whereas the other groups I had to listen to more of their music, like go out of my way and do it that way because they had less. Um, so, the, so the Smith sound, I know that now. Um, like I say, they took up most of my week. They've got a very distinctive voice. Um, and they really like long song titles. So writing every song title, I was like, oh my God, it's like write a book. I feel like they're a country pop or some sort of rock, like maybe a country rock. I'm really eager to get country in because I say it quite often. And like their music goes from like serious music to a bit upbeat, to a bit calm, more rocky, instrumental sad ones and yeah they're just a bit all over the place 
I mean, there's some alike, there's some I don't, as always. And I did recognise one. So when you sent me the song list and I saw a title, There Is A Light That Never Goes Out, I had just, There Is A Light That Never Goes Out in my head. And I was like, why is that in my head? Is this even the song? And that was like the, the last song I listened to. And when I listened to it and I heard the lyric, and if a double-decker bus killed the both of us or put, crashed into us, can't remember, I, re- I realised and I recognised the lyric because it's actually from Gavin and Stacey. Oh, really? So, yeah, so there's a scene where they've been to the beach and they've gone for a barbecue round Gwen's and Doris starts singing this. And it's a very odd song. It's not a normal song at all, at all. And that just, like, I thought it was made up in Gavin and Stacey. Didn't know it was a real song until I, I listened to it. And now knowing that it's a real song makes it even more weirder because someone actually sung Because the lyrics are really weird. So, yeah. Okay. And that was the end of the, the Smiths for me. I was like, okay, so you've been in Gavin and Stacey. All right, done. Right, and I well, moved on. The Smiths were Morrissey on vocals, mm-hmm. Johnny Marr on guitar, backing vocals, keyboards, piano, harmonica. Oh, okay. Andy Rook, Rook on bass and Mike Joyce on drums. Now, Andy Rook was... I say left, he was sacked in 1986 and replaced with Craig Gannon from Aztec Camera. Oh, who we only spoke about about. the other week. Yeah. However, Rook returned two weeks later with Marr describing Rook's contribution as something no other bass player could match. I think that's just a polite way of saying, um, Welcome back. The person we got in didn't actually, wasn't. As good as, up to as our standards. they did keep yeah. him. They ended up having oh. two bass players. They didn't get rid of him, but they obviously felt that Rook was they 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 the needed better. him. Yeah, more so. So um, he he came back literally. I'd find it more insulting if someone politely said, "You're better," like the other person's better yeah. than you. I'd be like, "Well, I'm going then. I wouldn't stick around." But then. To go from Aztec Camera to the Smiths would have been a big, big thing. Mm, yeah, I guess the Smiths were bigger with their following than yeah. Aztec Camera. Yeah. And as I say, he wasn't replaced. They just bought the other one back. Yeah. So, um, they just felt he added something that they didn't have, I suppose. But they were still happy to have mm. Gannon as well, as well. I'd still be a so, bit insulted. So, yeah. Um, they were formed in 1982. So they are an okay. 80s band in all, mm-hmm. in all um, name and sense. Um, they were formed in Manchester in England. Okay. And they are post-punk alternative rock, but they are mainly known for indie rock. Because they were an indie label. Oh, okay. So they're actually celebrated as one of the biggest bands to emerge from the British independent music scene of the 80s. So they were oh. one of the biggest. So I suppose along with New Order, who obviously yeah. they did eventually go commercial, yeah. they started out as, as indie and got, as I said, they, they got quite a few hits in the indie chart that weren't recognised, obviously, in the, in the actual charts. Yeah. 
the Smiths are seen as the independent band at that right. time. Um, and um, they were signed to indie label Rough Trade Records. I guess that's why they've got a cult following as well. Because if they were yeah, from independent... Think, as, as I said, in the 80s, um, getting to number one wasn't the be-all and end-all. Mm. It was more about selling your albums or getting big followings for yeah. when you toured, you know. I mean, a lot of, in the 80s, a lot of bands toured um, pubs and clubs mm. uh, and and a lot of their followings were uni students and when they went into the unis. Oh, um, yeah. Student. Like uh, the student discos, unions. You know, whatever, clubs and whatever. Discos. You know, what, not discos, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Student. Um, unions, they're called. And, right, okay. Student unions, Dad. Thank you. <laughs> So Oasis guitarist Noel Gallagher cites the Smiths as the most influential British guitar group of the decade, Ooh. as they were the first outsiders to achieve mainstream success on their own terms. Oh. So they didn't sell out to the highest bidder sort of thing yeah. and go for that commercial success. They got it their way. Yeah. And weren't told what songs they could release. And I mean, there's a lot of a lot of artists that were in the 80s where um, I mean, and Human League is a, is a prime example. If you remember, I mean, OK, it ended up being the biggest hit, um, but their big hit. Uh, Don't you want me or whatever? I can't. Um, yeah. I, remember the, the is that what, I know. Yeah, I know what one you mean, though. Um, they weren't going to release. They didn't want to release it. It was a record label that, that said to release it. They'd already released four records off or three or four singles off mm. the album and they wanted to concentrate on the album and it's a record label that said release another mm. and that that's what they they released. And that was then their biggest um, and then yeah so it obviously those in the, the music industry know what they're talking about yeah um, and that's why a lot of groups obviously go down that avenue because that's where mm. they're going to make their money and success but the smiths didn't they didn't that. Right. They um they kept to their own and um they've done okay, but as I say, they're not seen as one of the big groups from the eighties. In fact, if you told people well, yeah. to write down eighties groups, they'd be quite far down. Smiths the list. would probably be one of those. Oh, the Smiths, you know, bit bit further down. Yeah, I like someone would remember it. Ahead have done everyone else, you know, Wham, Duran Duran. Yeah. You know, Spandau Ballet. They would Smiths wouldn't trickle off the tongue unless you were a fan. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, every, everyone who was around at that time did know of the Smiths. So they were like big enough to be known, but they weren't big enough yeah. for everyone to listen to them. Like say they're a bit of Marmite, so you might listen to a song yeah. and be like, oh no, and not really indulge in them any more than that. Yeah. Um, but then I guess because they got themselves into the charts, they would have been heard. So more of their songs. So like, as I say, I like some of their songs. I don't like others. It would I would have been, if I was... In the 80s, I would have ended up hearing someone being like, oh, God, no, and hearing others. So I might have bought their singles rather than their albums. Yeah. So um, they were very influential. The Smiths are seen as pioneers for, and wait for this, oh, we know some of these groups, Oasis. Yeah. Stone Roses. Yeah. The Libertines. No. Blur were formed oh. on the back of seeing the Smiths on TV in 1987. Oh, that's a that's quite weird. How yeah. I'd love to know that story. Yeah, and the Britpop era of the mid nineties mm. was spearheaded by Stone Roses, Oasis, Suede, and Blur, 
and mm. they drew heavily from Morris's portrayal of a bleak urban England of the past. Oh. So they were seen as a very much a like legacy. Their legacy was, was taken on, or yeah, inspiration. They inspired the, the 90s musicians from their music of the 80s. But then it's mad because they weren't one of the big ones. So, but then I guess no. the ones that you've said, like Blur, like Stone Roses, like Oasis, I mean, Oasis were big. But even I'd say they have a cult following, like yeah. they. Only but also, the, there's a. Li- I mean, st- I think Stone definitely Stone Roses, and I think Oasis as well, both from Manchester, mm, which is where, yeah. as I just said, the Smiths were from as well. So that obviously they they probably had more. Yeah, a, they were probably more encouraged to get out there because they're like someone from Manchester's made it. Yeah, maybe we can. Yeah. Now, obviously, you've. Uh, come across one of the names that I read out in their group before? Can you remember? No. So Johnny Marr we spoke about before. He was, um, he played for a bit with the Pretenders, but we probably would have mentioned him more so, or we would have definitely mentioned him. He was a founder of the supergroup Electronic with New Order's Bernie Sumner. So he was a founder of that. They're not a standout one to me. With Bernie Sumner of New Order. Okay. And funny enough, New Order were another, as I said, independent label group band. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go back and listen to Electronic now. He's also worked with um, The The, Brian Ferry. The what? Roxy Music. The The, Brian Ferry of Roxy Music. Pet Shop Boys. Oh. Talking Heads. Yeah. So he's worked with quite a few Johnny Marks. He is seen as one of the best guitar players. And as yeah. I say, Oasis, um, I think when Oasis made that comment, it was, although they, they used the Smiths as being pioneers for um, guitar groups. Yeah. It's the guitar player that would ultimately be who they're, they're referring to, which would have been Johnny Marr. So. Mm. So yeah. he's quite well known. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like a, I suppose, um, a Paul Weller. Whereas Paul Weller's like um, the the seen as a good singer songwriter, but mm. never had, never had the acclaim and the, the international success. Yeah, you could probably put Johnny Marr in the same bracket for being a good for a guitar player. Right. Okay. In the eighties, you know, if you were to ask people to name a top guitar player from the eighties, you know, they would, would say, he you one? know, he, he would probably be one one of those that were mentioned but then it's weird and it's hard to remember because you you've got bass players and you've got guitar players so you know obviously people think of um the bass player um level 42 who's well known to be or seen as being a leading uh bass player Mm. um it can you can get confused with guitar and bass aren't they the same thing well, they are ones obviously electronic. Like that night. Yeah, I was going to say, like, apart from one being that bit more electronic, in my head, they're the same thing. Like, when I think yeah. of an electronic one, that's when I say bass. I'm sure there's people listening to us now who are actual musicians <laughs> who will probably be shouting at us going, no, they're not. And I'm sure they're not, because otherwise, why would you have a guitar player and a bass player in the mm. same group? Yeah. So um, they have, they will do have their differences and... Um, a lot of a lot of groups have a guitar player and a bass player. We don't have either bass or guitar and what have you. So um, I would say they are different before people shout. <laughs> but 
as I'm not a musician, I wouldn't really know the difference. I could probably hear the difference. Because I think I've you just, can have electric I've guitars just, as well. I was going to say, so. I, well, I was, that's just what I was about to say. I was about to say I'd probably hear the difference, but I wouldn't go, that's a bass. I'd go, there's an electric guitar. Yeah, but I think you do get electric guitars as well. And yeah. this bass is just a funky name for to an electric guitar. Give it a difference. No, yeah. So um, the Smiths were disbanded in 1987. Okay, so they're right 80s. In 1989, both Rook and Joyce took Morrissey and Marr to court. Oh. Funny enough, we've been here before, haven't we, I think? Many times. Um, in a dispute over royalties. So um, the original contract was that um, Marr and Morrissey both took 40% each, leaving just 20% for the other two, so, i.e. 10% so each. So 10% each. So it's 40, oh. 40, 10, 10. Um, Rook and Joyce, obviously, I suppose after they've disbanded in 1987, the money's not coming in like it was. Mm. Suddenly you think, hang on there. Why am, why am I not getting as much as, as the other two? Yeah. Um, took them to court. However, Rook, who um, had fallen on hard time, so to speak, he was bankrupt, he was into drugs. Right. Um, he actually settled out of court for... Um, 83,000, which even back then was a lot of money. That's a lot um, of money, even now. It was definitely back then. He would have probably been able to buy a house and what have you, mm. to be honest. Yeah. Now I think that'd be a deposit. But, um, yeah. yeah. So he, but he settled out because he obviously didn't have the money or he, he, he saw the money he, that they were offering and saw that as a, a win nice, in a way. Big, you know, and rather than paying out to take it to court. I was going to say, like, you still have to be paying for the court process. However, Joyce did still go to court. Right. And actually, Luke went as um, as a witness for him in his oh. case. And um, Joyce won, arguing that he thought they should get, have got 25% each. Right. And he was awarded 1 million in back royalties, plus... Wow. 25% of future royalties. Oh, that's mad. Well, I guess if you don't fight for it, you don't get it, do you? So, yeah. But so, like, I agree. I don't think anyone, when it's like a band like that. I suppose it depends on who the, who's doing the writing. And Yeah, the, like I think if you're doing I mean, the writing. I know I can only more. talk about Aha, but they put, they, they all split. Like all three of them. Put again. it down as Aha. No one actually, but there is others where you, if you look at a single, it, say, it says this person written by. It. Now, sometimes songs can be written by someone who's not even in the group. They, yeah. they and they probably don't get very much for it. The person who's wrote it gets mm. gets royalties. Um, but obviously, as far as groups go, there's sometimes is a songwriter, and they probably would do a deal. I mean, now, yeah. It seems like with the Smiths, a deal was done, but it was done much earlier on, and never went back and I suppose they had more input the big and but the terms just never changed um, right. you can argue all well, that's their fault or whatever but obviously the courts or otherwise and awarded I mean the, I I agree with the courts really like I'm all I'm one for fairness to be fair and it's like if you know like you say they had it written down but it needs to be reviewed 
because the, the more you do, the more comfortable people get, the more input they have, like you're saying. So it needs to be reviewed. So like, I agree. But then why didn't anyone... Yeah, like, no one, no one start, queried it yeah, at the time after... Exactly, like they waited. You know. They waited until yeah. the royalties were being split at the end. Like, why didn't they do it as they were getting more input? Why didn't they go, oh, by the way, guys, I think we should review who's getting what because I'm putting in a lot more now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where that's kind of funny. So where was um, in Spandau Ballet, the mm. other group members didn't win. On yeah. On this occasion, the other group it members did. did win. Yeah. So it, it can swing either way. Yeah, I just guess depends yeah. what judge you and get and how they see it. On what what your argument is. Mm. Whether you've got much to stand on. Yeah. So the Smiths had three top ten singles, two of which were in the 80s that you listened to. Top ten, okay. However, on the album side, they had ten top tens. That's a lot of albums. Mm. Of which seven were in the 80s. And wait for this. Of those seven, two were number ones albums. Ooh, wow. And the, and five were number twos. Wow. Considering they're an yeah. indie group, band, that's that's pretty good going, isn't it? Yeah. But I want to ask, so I thought you said they split up in 87. How can they have they singles? in 1987. But how can they have singles and albums outside of the 80s if they split up? I think they got together, or it's it's recordings they had already done but hadn't been released. Right, okay. It always confuses me when that happens, and I'm like, you've yeah, not said they got um, back together, so it baffles me. So, yeah, there's nothing about them getting back together or anything. So, obviously, the, like, the main bit after that was about their royalties dispute. So you can imagine that the... Um, atmosphere wouldn't have been mm. great yeah i was gonna say like it would have been a bit awkward that lost yeah and also i've now read as well in november 2005 mike mike joyce who was the person who won these claims right yeah he said on radio six music that financial hardship had reduced him to selling rare smith recordings on ebay so he's basically spunked all his money yeah all that one million didn't last him long at all, did it? What and then idea? Morrissey, on the back of that, responded with a statement saying Joyce had received 215000 each from both himself and Marr in right. 1997, along with Marr's final back payment of 260000 in 2001. Morrissey, however, failed to make his final payment because he said he was overseas and did not receive the paperwork. Oh, so it did get quite... Yeah. With him, it's very messy, isn't it? And yeah, Morrissey has since come out and said that he feels Joyce has um, cost him an estimation of one point, well, one and a half million pounds in royalties and legal fees. Oh my so, god. Yeah, so, so um, they're not friends at all. I would anymore. definitely say that that probably the song that come out because they have had compilations and then I was going to say, is it like greatest piece, hits? Uh, some rarity song that they've yeah. done that then was re- released as a single yeah. to promote that album and such. But um, as I say, not really being a, a Smiths um, fan, you don't know for fan, sure. 
I don't know the background of their of all their of their songs, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and I didn't go into each song, if I'm really honest, because like you, I'm do this as a as a side job to my normal job. Um, mm-hmm. But I can't even find the actual song anyway that was was released oh. after. There was only one. Yeah. That was released because it you released had two one one um, one that got in the top ten anyway. Yeah. And I can't even see. So whether it was one that had been re- released before. Like um, it was a re-release, maybe. Oh, no, because you'd see that, wouldn't you? Yeah. You've got so much. It's um... Okay, so There Is A Light That Never Goes Out. Yeah. It's a song by the English rock band The Smiths, written by guitarist Johnny Marr and singer Morrissey. Hence why they obviously argue well, yeah. that they should have mm. the right. But that's what I was saying. Like, if you're writing more and putting more of an input in and your name's coming up more, then you deserve more. So Yeah, and here we go. It featured on the band's third studio album, The Queen Is Dead. Right. Now, The Queen Is Dead was released in 86. Right. It was not released as a single in the United Kingdom until 1992, five years after the, their split and it was used to promote the compilation album best three right. so there you go yeah. so that was released as i as i said it it did happen a lot they'd release songs just to promote a compilation Another, album yeah, yeah that wouldn't be on any other album but actually that even was on an album so it's an album track what's weird then released on its, its own Mm. What's also weird is you said they have 10 albums, yet their yeah. third album was released in 86. So they must yeah. have like a lot I of... I think they had a lot of... Um, like unreleased stuff and... Uh, well, no, not also a lot of compilation albums. Mm, that's true. That can be a thing. Rather than physical, stu- what we call as studio albums. Yeah, yeah. I mean, studio albums-wise, uh, there was the Smiths, Meet is Murder, The Queen is Dead, and Strange Rays, Here We Come. That was it, Five, four. four. They've had live albums. They've had compilation albums. So um, obviously their compilation albums probably did chart quite well. Um, so the, the World Won't Listen, that charted at number two. Uh, okay. Well, you said that all their albums were either number one or number two. Um, best of number one. That did get to number one. So, yeah. Oh. So when I say they uh, actually oh. um, had all these, uh, although, I mean, to be honest, their albums did do very well. So the Smiths, their first album, that got to number two. As I said, they did have a number two. Um, Meet is Murder, that got to number one. Mm-hmm. The Queen is Dead, that got to number two. And Strange Ways, Here We Come, that also got to number two. So, right. you know, their studio albums were all, in the top two of the album chart, so yeah, so very successful album albums. Yeah, I can and, say they did um, very well with their albums. You'll now find out how successful they were with their singles as well. Mm-hmm. No number one, you'll you're going with no number one. Okay, so 1983, the charming man that got to number 25. Okay, that was my favorite of theirs. That's my favorite as well. Yeah. Um, it was also re-released in 1992, right. um, obviously on the back of their, other, their, their, their son's success. Yeah. And it got to number eight. 
Oh, so did better. So it's done better round. in the 90s than it did in the 80s. And I guess that's their one top 10 out of the 80s. Then. Well, it's, yeah, outside of the 80s. Yes, yes, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. So 1984, what difference does it make? They get serious in this one. It was very, like, it was a big contrast to the Charming Man. Aren't they serious in most of their songs? No. There's, I don't know, there's some of them, like the Charming Man, where they've just got a bit more of an oomph to them. Uh-huh. Well, what difference does it make in 1984 got to number 12? Oh, okay. So then also in 1984, we had Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now. This one was a bit depressing. Like <laughs> even the song title is a bit depressing. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't depressing that it didn't get out. It, it um, got inside the number 10, top 10, at number oh. 10. Oh, okay. So also in 1984, we had William, It Was Really Nothing. I have no idea what they're saying in this one. Can't understand them. And I've listened to this one probably about three times to try. No idea. I think I understand when they say William, and that's about it. Like, literally. Okay. We're going to top 20 at number 17. People have weird taste, um, So, moving on to 1985, How Soon Is Now? This one, I mean, you've not brought it up, but you know the film, The Wedding Singer, with Adam Sandler in it? Okay, I don't, but... Oh, okay, it's a good film. But when I've, put, when I've found this song on Spotify, it's got the... Album art is the wedding singer, so I'm guessing this uh, is in the wedding singer, but I don't recognize it. I don't know what part is in my it's right. just like a little snippet, but yeah, okay. Well, it was released in 1985 and got to number 24. Okay, I mean, yeah, it's a long However, song. It was also re released in 1992 on the back of obviously their second coming, even though they weren't even together. Yeah, got to number 16. So again, oh, so it's done, done better, better in the 90s yeah. than the 80s. 1985, Shakespeare's Sister. Oh, I like this one. It's got a good backing sound to it. That's one that stuck out to me. Not to be my favourite, but enough that I like it. Yeah. So it was... Uh, released in 1985, that got to number 26. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that when we mentioned about Shakespeare's sister, obviously we haven't gone into them into main group, but the, the group Shakespeare's sister with yeah. the former Banana Rama singer, was the group was yes. named on the back of that Oh, singer. Okay. And I'm pretty sure I did mention that at the time. So, um, I mean, we've not done Shakespeare's sister yet. Recap on that when we go to Shakespeare's sister. Yes. And um, obviously, Dave Stewart was involved with Shakespeare's sister as well, who was from the Eurythmics. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that's where they got their name from was that single, which got to number 26. Um, 1985, the boy with the thorn in his in his side. See what I mean about long song titles? Yeah, and it's funny because I just mentioned about Shakespeare's sister and about the Eurythmics link with Dave Stewart. Eurythmics had a song called Thorn in My Side. Oh, oh, that's a bit weird, isn't it? That's weird. Well, this one was sad. It just sounds sad. And it was just a bit of noise. 
Okay. Well, it got to number 23. Okay. They're not big hitters. So, 1986, Panic. This one's like, <laughs> I wrote In Your Face a bit, and then I was like, a song can't really be In Your Face. So it's like, In Your Ears. It's just very loud. It got to number 11, just outside the top 10. Oh, okay. Also in 1986, Ask. This was another one that I did quite like, like one stood out to me. It had calmed down a bit. Like it's not too, but they're rock, aren't they? So I preferred their calm a mellow down rock. ones. Yeah, but some of the songs are a bit more, like I say, like in your ears. But yeah, this one was a nice calm down one. I liked it. Uh, number 14, it got to Ask. Okay. Uh, 1987, Shoplifters of the World Unite. This one's just rocky. I think this is like one of their most rocky songs. Number 12. Not bad. And again, a very weird title. Yes. 1987, Sheila Take a Bow. I thought this one was very rock as well. And then I was, but you sent me this one after everything else. Yeah, so I missed it out. Yeah, but when like, like obviously now I know where it places all I was thinking was oh they do like to have a rock every now and then but obviously I didn't know where that one came in the order whether they had like a rocky stage but now look thinking how it's gone they've had like a more heavier rocky stage rather than their softer rock and that's where I feel like that so that fits in nicely there Uh yeah well it got to number 10 oh so that's their two 10 um, 1987, Girlfriend in a Coma. This one had a nice focus on the instrumentals and vocals. Like, had a nice balance. It weren't too loud Even on the instrumentals. it was a very weird song title to have. Yeah, yeah, very weird. But if you take away from that, the sound of it yeah. was really nice. Okay, well, it got to number 13, so just outside okay. the top 10. Not bad. 1987, I started something I couldn't finish. It's got an all right chorus. And another long song title. <laughs> so number 23. 1987, still staying with, which is obviously just as they're about, this is its last song now before they broke yeah. up. Yeah. Um, last night, I dreamt that somebody loved me. This one's like in the background. It's very instrumental. So it's just kind of there and you know how I feel about that anyway. And I suppose the chart position shows that they were obviously probably coming to their end, running out of ideas, mm. um, not getting on, so not connecting, obviously, in the yeah. studio, whatever, however they, you know, work. But, yeah, number 30 it got. Oh, OK. And then on the back of, obviously, as I say, for whatever reason, they came back in the 90s, even though they weren't releasing any, uh, releasing new material. Mm. So we had The Charming Man at number eight, so top 10 in 1992. Yeah. That was followed by How Soon Is Now um, at number 16. Yeah. And then obviously, as, we, as we've just found out, they released a best of compilation, probably on the back of that or whether that yeah. had come out. But they released a single in 1992. This is a light that never goes out off the album that we've said from 1986. Which then featured later on in Gavin and Stacey. Yeah, oh yeah, yes, yeah, as you said, yeah. Well, it got to number 25 in the charts. Okay. And that was uh, their last hit. Was a very, it's a very weird song. If you've not listened to it, just listen to it. Well, it was an just album listen song. Listen to the lyrics. As I say, it was, 
it wasn't a song they released. It was released as we, as you know, I've just looked up, you know. On so back in the to, day, it would have been to, more of an to, album filler. So it was an album originally, wasn't a, a single day. Whether it was one day, I mean, you know, if they're an independent band and they had as much influence on their own music as, you know, what they could do than the record label, then you'd have thought if they wanted to release it, they'd have released it then mm. at the time. Yeah. Um, so um, it's very weird it got released. That they've they, got re- they've yeah. gone through all the, the you know, dispute, the, the court cases and what have you. Um, obviously, had had a, a second coming in the 90s, or definitely in 1992, on the back of that, I don't know, they released a compilation album and for whatever reason, this was a single they released alongside it. So It's just very so weird. Yes. Like, listen to it for the lyric. Okay. Moving on then from the Smiths, Men at Work. Yeah. So again, I thought these were some sort of rock. Um, their videos are very literal. So like down under, they're in a desert like they're down under, like if you think of Australia. And Dr. Heckle or Mr. Jive, they're inspectors. Um, obviously, that's a play on words as well. But yeah, I thought they were a bit odd. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if I just took that from Dr. Heckle or Mr. Jive. But yeah, I thought they were a bit odd. I was um okay. But yeah, there weren't much to say to them. I've only got four songs. I didn't listen to any more songs of theirs because I felt like four songs was enough and I didn't want to ruin anything for myself. But yeah, it went. I did notice, though, they've got an accent. So in It's a Mistake, I noticed some sort of accent in their voice. And I don't know if they're from somewhere with an ac- like a strong accent, but I don't mm-hmm. think they're British. Okay. Unless they're Scottish, but I didn't. It didn't sound like a Scottish. But yeah, there was like some sort of accent because I think they did not like proper talking. But you know, like when you're singing, but it comes across as like a talking type of singing. You know that, yeah. but it's not like a rap. It's not like yeah, they did like something like that. And I was like, oh, you sound a bit thingy. And also in when what was it? I'm sure it was. It's a mistake, or it might have been overkill that they started off in a booth talking about something but yeah i noticed an accent so i'm intrigued to find out where they're from okay well men at work were colin hay on vocals one strikert on lead guitar and bass oh, sorry on lead guitar jerry Spezer on drums and greg ham on keyboards and john reese on bass right they were formed in melbourne australia oh so they're australian so there, there is an accent. It's a song down under. Oh, so there's me like, oh, they're in the desert as if they are down under. They are down under. <laughs> and then the accent is Australia. Do you know what? <laughs> Sometimes my brain works, but it doesn't put things together. I could have worked all that out myself. Don't need you. So they were formed in 1978 and they are a new wave pop band stroke reggae rock now, I didn't really, right? well, I, didn't I would never any. have said they're reggae or no. really rock. I would have said rock. A, yeah. Yeah. Soft rock, though. Uh-huh. Okay. I'd have said pop. So, Men at Work became the first Australian artist to have simultaneous number one album stroke single on the US Billboard charts. Okay. I was like, oh, that's not who I said for number one. 
So with Business As Usual, the album, and Down Under, the single. Okay. This well, was also the case in Australia, New Zealand, and the UK. So there's well, obviously one. it's a big thing to do it in Australia and in, in um, America. Yeah. You'd expect probably them to do it in Australia and New Zealand if they're in that's their that's home. where they're from. And yeah. they were probably seen as the band of, of the 80s in, in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. Um, but to do it in the U- US and even the UK is still quite something. So there's one of my number ones then. There's one of your number ones and it is one that you said. No, but I'm not disappointed. Down Under is a good song. I'll trade Down Under for the safety. No, I don't know. Yeah, we'll trade that one. Okay. In total, the band sold over 30 million albums worldwide. After their second album, Cargo, also reached number one in Australia, number two in New Zealand, number three in the US and number eight in the UK. So, so disappointing the number one album in um, America and a number three album in America with their first two albums. And considering they're Australian, it's good to get across the pond, isn't it? Yeah. Like round the other side of the world. Well, it wouldn't be for them though, would it? Why is it? Oh, yeah, that's true. America's in the middle, isn't it? (laughs) A quarter of the way round. Yeah. Frequent well, whatever it's not. I mean, there's still quite a bit of ocean they've traveled in America, they've traveled not as much as it is between them and us. Um, they won a Grammy Award. Oh, oh sorry, hang on. No, sorry, I'm going on. Their third album, uh, Two Hearts, uh, reached the top 20 in Australia and the top 50 in the US. That's an album, yeah, yeah. So their album's done really well in the, in the US. I mean, even mm. to get in the top 50 is still big, but their first album's got to number one and number two and number three. Wow. So, That's good. Like so, yeah. I say, considering they're from Australia, like you don't get I many hate. Australian bands or soloists mm. at all, do you? Like when you think of Australia, you think of your um, Minogues and... Yeah. I think Crowded House are Australia. I'm pretty sure New Music, when we went through them, which... Obviously, yeah, then went into Crowded House. I'm pretty sure they were Australian, but I might be wrong. I'm trying to remember off my top of my head. Um, Neil Finn seemed to think was Australian. Maybe, um, but I can't think that we've had an Australian one before. No. So they won a Grammy Award in 1983 for Best New Artist. Right. Uh, the band was inducted into the ARIA Hall of Fame. ARIA? Aria is Australian Recording Industry Association. Oh, I'd rather be in that one than the old rock and roll. <laughs> um, so in 1984, both Spiza, Spiza and Reese were asked to leave the band. Ooh. And hence why I said one striker was lead guitar and bass. And then I changed it because it wasn't oh, originally okay. bass. But after John Reese left, he became the over. bass player, stroke guitar player as well. Why did why were they asked to leave? Did you did you find that out? I couldn't couldn't find it. It was just said while that they, they were asked to leave. And then during the recording of Two Hearts of the second album in 1985, Stryker decided to leave soon after the release of Two Hearts. Oh. So that was so him. They ended up having people just leaving left, right, and center. Yeah. And then Hay also left, leave uh, sorry. Um 
Ham also left. Right. Um, the keyboard player. Yeah. Leaving just Hay, who in effect finished the band in 1986. I was going to say, like, who's left? Like, who's left yeah. in the band? Like, yeah. you're naming off all these people. That was like no, that five was just, of them. Just the, the, the founding <laughs> member. Oh. Ham was found dead in April 2012 from a heart attack. And um, both Hay and Ham have been touring since 1996 under the Men at Work name. On his own? No, Hay and, uh, well, yeah, he, uh, up till his death, Hay and Ham had been touring. Oh, Hay and Ham, yeah. Oh. Well, at least they carried it on, I guess. So they got back to, so they, they, the band Which disbanded in 1986. And then 10 years later, they got back together. Did a bit of touring. Just touring. And then obviously Ham died in 2012 from a heart attack and pretty much that would have been... That would have been it. That was it then. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, So they had two top 20 singles and two top 10 albums, a number one and a number eight, as I've already said. Mm -hmm. So we've already mentioned that in 1983, Down Under did get to number one. Yeah, that was was my favourite. Yeah. I did have a close second favourite, and I'll let you know which one that was. But that was a okay. that was my favourite. But weirdly, I recognised Down Under, and Connor knew it. Like as soon as I, I can't remember whether it's well, it is a big hit work. from you know it's a number one. It would have been a big mm. hit from the eighties. Yeah, but we're not so from the eighties, are we? No, no. But it would still be played now, and you've probably heard it from myself on an eighties yeah. compilation. Yeah. I'm sure it's but it's up. weird that like Connor knew it. Like Connor no. knows it. Like Connor like sings along to it. And I'm like, oh, I don't know the lyrics like that yet. But he just walks around the kitchen singing it. I'm like, what's going on here? He's a secret 80s lover, I tell you. 1983, Overkill, number 21. Okay. Oh, outside the top 20. This is a nice one. This weren't my second favourite, but it's got a nice flowing sound. Deep voice, though. Very deep voice. 1983, It's a Mistake. This was my close. Yeah. Close one, yeah. Really like this one. Number 33. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm shocked. What on earth? <laughs> so, so, yeah, even though they had number one, their following singles didn't live up. They are no. seen in the UK as a one-hit wonder. Because well, a lot of people wouldn't even get to know their other songs. Yeah. Even though they did have four the other, hits. Yeah. It was the other one, 1983, Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive. It's got a nice got tone to, to it. 31. Oh, so they really weren't up there. They just yeah. went down. So it's a mistake. UK. Your second one was actually their worst hit or That's less sad. popular hit over That's, here. Well, you lot don't have them. Good ears. Moving on then to Ice House. Yeah. What did you think of them? So, this, like these, I'm now wondering whether these are Australian because their song Crazy, when I watched a video, had like, so on YouTube it had international version and Australian version. And I watched the international version, didn't watch the Australian version, but I was like, well, I got two. So I'm wondering, these must be me doing my detective work. They might be Australian. Um, they, you only gave me two songs and I listened to two more. And I'm quite glad I did. 
because so I listened to Great Southern Land, which I thought was quite quiet, and I listened to Electric Blue. Now, when I listened to the two that you gave me, I thought they were like quite rock sounding. But then I listened to Electric Blue, and I don't know whether they moved into the electronic like synth pop or they moved out of it. Obviously, because I don't know where Electric Blue came with the ones that you gave me. It might have come rock like slap bang in the middle who knows but that one was more up my street the electric blue so I'm glad I've listened to more of them um and both of their videos they tell a story they really use their videos to like their proper videos do you know what I mean yeah and they just look quite casual but yeah not much on them I'm just doing my detective work I think they're Australian and I think they were rock moving into synth pop or synth pop moving into rock Am I right? So, I, they've had a few lineup changes. Funny enough, okay. one of those. So they were each formed. Week. We'll start with where they were formed. So they were formed in 1977. Okay. In Sydney, Australia, as you yes. say, and they are a new wave rock synth pop band. Okay. So you're right. So again. I'm right. <laughs> Look at so, me. So um. They were the original lineup was Ivor Davis on vocals, Keith Welsh on bass, Don Brown on drums, Michael Host host on keyboards. Um, however, there was no guitar player until Bob Kretschner joined in 1982. Right, okay. However, then they had a complete uh, change around or say complete there was still some obviously originals but mm. they in 1983 for the release of hey little girl they had Ivor davis as lead vocal still andy quanta quinta on keyboards right. bob krishna on guitar still guy pratt on bass john lloyd on drums okay. so pretty much other than Ivor Davis and Bob Kreshner, who joined late anyway, is totally, totally different. And then for Crazy in 1987, Ivor Davis, Eva Davis um, on vocals. Yeah. Andy Conter still on keyboards. Bob Kreshner still on guitar. However, Steve Morgan now came in on bass and Love Paul it. Wheeler on drums. So I get three, three lineups. Wow. So they like a change around then. Yeah, but again, it's changing with the music, I think. They've gone from a being, yeah. you know, a, a rock band to a new wave band to a synth pop band. Ah, uh, so it went in that way, so it started off as yeah. rock. Right, okay. Yeah. So Ivor Davis formed the band, and the name actually comes from an old flat that he lived in that was that was cold, and hence house, icy cold, ice oh, house. That's okay, I mean... Name. That's one way to think of that. Yeah. Yeah, I need a name. Cool enough, cold in this house. Oh, hang on. Oh, yeah. um, so that's that's how he got his, um, that's how the name come across. Um, so Ice House was inducted into the, funny enough, again, Aria <laughs> Hall of Fame. Quite like the sound of this one. And at the okay. time, they were described as one of the most successful Australian bands of the 80s and 90s. Oh, okay. So Australia kind of doing it for themselves. Yeah. They've got some good people out there. But it's weird that when you think of Australia, you don't think of these 
like they're not known no but that's because they're not known outside of australia but in australia as you're about to see they were quite big so in australia the band had their most success with six top 10 singles including electric blue reaching number one all right well i might move to australia while the single only reached number 53 in the uk oh wow so yeah they did not do well over here no well obviously hence there are only two hits yeah so two only two singles reached the top 40 over here yet in australia they had six top tens Mm. including a number one that didn't even scrape the service of the top 40 in in our chart Um, in australia their album sales were over 28 times platinum with six studio albums making the top 10 including man of colors reaching a number one however in new zealand they had both primitive man and man of colors reaching number one plus ice house sidewalk and measure for measure at number two so they were really big in new zealand yeah whereas in the uk only one album was released man of Mm. colors which as i say was number one in both australia and new zealand over here number 93 okay so yeah not well at all here and i think it's because we had so other much commercial you know music over here yeah it was harder for people from america well america is they just made so much money in america they didn't need to mm. try and have a, you know because obviously the commercial advertisement and that trying to get you airtime and that would have been big yeah um, so they just concentrated on the australian and new zealand market and obviously mm. done very well thank thank you yeah, but then I guess it shows that they're in it for their passion rather than getting commercialised and making money. Yeah, because they could have made so much more money, I suppose, if they'd broken into England or the UK, just like UK bands try and break into America. It does, yeah. They're not, they're not always it doesn't successful. always... No, exactly. So over here, they had two singles in the top 40. Mm-hmm. 1983, Hey Little Girl. Uh, the vocals are a bit creepy, but I like the chorus. Number 17. Okay. And in 1987, Crazy. That was my favourite, but it, it was weird because it was the rocky sound in one out of the two, but it got my attention. And I think the reason I didn't go with Hey Little Girl is because of the vocals sound. They're a bit creepy and I only really like the chorus. So, yeah, I like that one. Okay. Number 38. Oh, Okay. But we've already said that their, their single chart success over here compared to elsewhere is, or at least at Australia and New Zealand, was completely different. And um, yeah. just so you know, Electric Blue was released in 1988. Oh, okay. So they really um, did move into the synth pop. And uh, as I say, only got to number 53. Right. I mean, that's, that's not far out. I mean, it's 13 out of the top 40, but <laughs> it's not the worst that we've come across where they're like at 87. I like that song. <laughs> okay. Moving on to a band with just one hit. Mm-hmm. Men Without Hats. I found it really weird that I had two bands called Men 
yeah. like men at work and men without hats like very bizarre um it the there's one song is very 80s um i've put them as a pop dance electronic genre one of them they're a bit of an odd bunch in their video i weren't expecting i don't know considering the sound of the safety dance i was not expecting the video to be like it was it seems very medieval and it's basically just the main guy it's just very random the main guys are walking through with another little guy and a woman and the woman's just like saying hi to everyone and the man's just very serious and I'm like this isn't a serious song why are you all serious but yeah so that was a weird contrast um because I only had one I listened to two other songs pop goes the world which was weird because I was like oh Pop goes to world, you know, it's going to be like safety dance, it's going to be very 80s, it's going to be, you know, well, it might not have even been released in the 80s, but it's going to be very get me. No, it was slow and I was waiting for it to like give me an oomph, waiting for it to drop, it didn't. And then I listened to Devil Comes Around and that's very electronic. So, but yeah, not much to say about them. I just thought they were a bit of an odd bunch. And uh, where, do you, where, where, where are you putting these form? Oh, I don't know. Because, oh, I don't know. Didn't hear any accents. The video didn't give me any clues. No, I can't place these at all. They were founded in 1977. Right. In Montreal, Canada. Okay. Yeah, Canadian. <laughs> he looks Canadian. He looks <laughs> How do Canadians look? Like him. I don't know. Uh, so they were initially a punk rock band. Oh. Oh, initially. And the original members were Ivan Doroschuk, vocals, Pete Seabrook on guitar, Dave Hill on bass, and John Gurin on drums. However, two years later in 1979, Ivan Doroschuk, restarted Men Without Hats with his brothers, Stefan and Colin, who, like Ivan, were classical trained musicians. So that was their background anyway. Wow. And um, Jeremy, Jerem, Jeremy, I'm no good with French-Canadian names, um, Arabas, he joined on keyboards. Right. Uh, the reason they got a keyboard player in was to give the band a new synthesizer sound which Doroschuk had been influenced from by listening to Gary Newman, OMD, and Ultravox. Oh, very And Annalise. thus, they were then a new wave synth-pop band. So they okay. started out as post-punk, and then in 1979, it changed it. So it's a bit like um, Gary Newman changing the whole outlook of, of mm. what he wanted to, to go. And on. even like um, who we've just spoken about. Ice House, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Men Without Hats then, their main lineup, obviously, because their biggest hit was Safety Dance and these are the people on it, was Ivan Doroschuk, lead vocals, Stefan Doroschuk on bass and backing vocals, Colin Doroschuk on guitar, Alan McCarthy on keyboards, and as I say, um, Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Um, Arabus on vocals. 
That's really weird because in the video on keyboards, sorry, keyboards. Yeah. Um, but he then I think he left and got replaced by Alan McCarthy. Right. But it's really weird because in the video, the focus is on what's the main guy name? Ivan. Yeah. On him, and then this woman and this little man. Like you don't see any of yeah, the oh, yeah, other yes, yeah. artists, no. like any yeah. of the other members, unless they're the ones that are in like that. Like, they might make a cameo in like one of the houses that he passes and waves. But yeah, yeah, I thought the band was Ivan and a woman and a little man. Uh, like I didn't, I didn't yeah. think. So I should have carried on with my notes because I've got here Arabus left in 1980, so before the safety dance. Right. So he left. So they they. So they were formed in 77 as a post-punk, post-punk band. They then reformed or recalibrated, so to speak. Refurbished. Yeah. Um, In 1979 as a new wave synth pop band. Mm -hmm. And then in 1980, Arabus left. He was replaced with Alan McCarthy. And obviously that was then the the core band that brought out the safety dance. Uh Um, And then McCarthy died in 1995. Oh. Um, so they had one top 10 hit. That was Obviously. Safety Dance in 1983. Yeah. Oh, so very early on. Yeah. And it got to number six. Okay. Well, I traded that one in. Well, you traded it in after. Yeah, but I Cut said out the two. But I said out the two when I found out the uh, number one. Like one okay. number one. So I was like, so, all right, well, I'll trade that one. So in obviously the other number one, as you say, is heat of the moment. Yeah, I'm not trading that one in. Asia, yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, so safety dance number six in 1983 for Moon okay. Hats. Well, I really They're only hit it. in the UK. The main hit, probably internationally. Um, I didn't see any more about them, whereas with the Australians being big still in Australia. Whether, mm, there was um, a lot more. Whether um, the Men Without Hats were a big band in Canada, I'm not know. so sure. Okay. So moving on then to Asia. Not yeah. The, the continent, but the, the band. Yeah. So um, this is classed as a super group. <gasps> Before you carry on, I feel like I recognise the main man. I wrote that when I watched Don't Cry. I wrote down, feel like I recognise the main man. Don't know who he is, don't know where from, but obviously if it's a super group, I should be recognising others maybe as well, but I recognise the main man. And there was also Indiana Jones vibes in that video, and it was very odd. The videos have been very, uh, I don't know, this week. I'm quite glad I didn't watch the Smiths videos, because God knows what they would have pulled out. But um, yeah, they're quite literal. To the video, you and just I'm need to the Smiths. You just need to watch their top of. I can't remember what song it was. Yeah. Um, it may well have been Charming Man. Um, Morrissey is literally on the stage with loads of flowers and he's just flicking them around. Um, is that on the top of the pops? Are you gonna say, Yeah, yeah, all right, I'll go, I'll go very, and have a look. Weird. Um, so yeah, Asia were Jeff, well, I say were, I think they they didn't know, uh. I feeling they still are. Yeah, they are. I've got it written down here. The band is still active. Oh, okay. So, Jeff Downs on keyboards, Cole Palmer on drums, John Wetton on vocals, stroke bass, Steve Howell on guitar, and also they had Greg Lake on vocals and bass in 
the 83-84 period. They were formed in 1981 in London, England, and they are a prog rock, progressive rock, art rock, arena rock, pop rock band. So I put rock. Get, I put guessing rock. <laughs> That's what I wrote. Guessing rock. <laughs> I don't really recognise any of the names you've just given me, but... Okay, well, I will go through it now. So they're classed as a supergroup, as the lineup included King Crimson members, John Wetton and Greg Lake. Mm -hmm. Yes members, who we have spoken about. Last week. Steve Howe and Jeff Downs. I thought I recognised the name Jeff Downs. When you said it, I was going to be like, I recognise that name. But then he weren't the main man singing, so... Jeff Downs was also in Buggles, video game Yes, you said that last week, didn't you? Yeah. Emerson, Lake and Palmer members, Greg Lake and Cole Palmer. So Cole Palmer was um, a mainstay of Asia. Obviously, Greg Greg Lake, as I say, was there from 83 to 84. Mm -hmm. But they came from Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Right. So Emerson was probably a bit put out, but hey, can't help uh, everyone. No. Um, so Wetton was the principal songwriter. And their self-titled album sold 10 million copies worldwide. Wow. And was Billboard magazine's number one album of 1982. Okay. It's weird I recognise the main man. I don't... I don't recognise his name or where he's from. No, we haven't gone well. No, we've not we've not touched on the bands other than yes. King Crimson was was before, so so yeah. So we wouldn't even do them. Hmm. Okay. Um, Asia in twenty. Sorry, gone. No, sorry. I was going to just say I did listen to two other songs, and I can see why the two that I was given were the hits. Like the other songs that I listened to was only time will tell. It's a sing-along, like I'm able to sing along to it, but it's a bit too rocky. And Soul Survivor just has lots of different sounds in it. So you can I can get why the two that I had were the hits. Just going off them two. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Okay. So what, what songs was that you'd listen to? Only Time Will Tell. And Soul Only Time Survivor. Will Tell, 1982, number 54. Okay. Right. And what was the other one? Soul Survivor. Wasn't even released over here. The other, their other release oh, was okay. Smile Has Left Your Eyes. And right. And we got to number 81. <laughs> oh, right. So, yeah. Okay. So, in, 90, in, in, in 2017-18, Asia toured with Journey, the group that oh, yeah, Don't the, Stop the... Believing. The Glee group. Yeah. However, Wetton, Welton, Wetton, Wetton, released a statement that due to receiving another round of chemotherapy, he would be unable to perform the 12 dates announced with Journey and was replaced by his own co-writer and producer with his solo album, Revised in Captivity, Billy Sherwood. Billy Sherwood, right, okay. Sorry, I was like, do I recognise any of these names? No, no. no so okay. um, he was he was a writer and right. producer of his um, solo album, and he right. took his place. Ooh. 
and he was also sorry billy sherwood was yes you probably may well if i read it out billy sherwood was also one of jeff downs yes bandmates right okay but i don't recognize that name as much as i recognize jeff downs so. how left the band in 2013 to focus on yes right um, while Wetton died in January of 2017 at the age of 67. So they, okay. they still so based... toured with Journey, but obviously yeah. he didn't. And while, while that, so that was announced and then he did, he did die. So in June 2017, at the end of the Journey tour. Oh, they really carried um, on, didn't they? Asia performed a show in homage to Wetton titled An Extraordinary Life. Okay, so they did like a tribute to him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Jeff Downs has been the longest serving member of the band. Yeah. And the only member to appear on all the band's studio albums. Oh, okay. The band are still active with Downs, Palmer and Sherwood. Um, and they've been joined now by Mark Benelia on guitar and lead vocals. Right. So... Um, Billy Sherwood has gone down to backing vocals and um, right. Mark Vanilla has, has taken over as lead vocals. Right, okay. Okay, and Billy Sherwood is obviously still on bass. Yeah. Uh, they had one top 40 single. He took them out. Oh, top 40? Yeah. Well, it's got to be here. And anyway. two top 20 albums. With 1983's Alpha getting number to number five, or reaching, should I say, number five. Okay. Okay. Right. So you had two songs. I did. Um, one of which would have been outside the top 40. I yeah, can't be by, can't be by much. Um, sure. Now, obviously, um, we've got a number one from Asia, as you've Yeah, that's what I've said. And... Um, you traded in the safety dance that got to number six. Yes. As your other number. Which one. was rightly to do because it weren't a number one. Okay. So that yeah. I can't see so, blue in new. Oh, maybe. Nineteen eighty-two. Heat song. of the moment. Yeah. A song that you thought was number one. Mm. And kept with it. Over the safety dance that got to number six. Yeah. The heat of the moment reached number 46. Shut up. Number 46. No. In 1982. So it wasn't even a top 40 hit. I gave you it as an extra one. And yeah, it is a, it is a good that song. That's my favourite. Yeah, I agree. It is a good song. But it's not a number one. Fact, it's not even a it's top not 40. Even a top 40. No. <laughs> oh my God. That's yeah. mad. Yeah. Even madder when you read that Don't Cry was number one. No. Was it? So 1983, Don't Cry. No, it wasn't number one. Okay. It wasn't a top 20 hit either. It was only number 33. So this super group with these. They did rubbish, yes, didn't they? They, they weren't. Six, I mean, the albums, they were, as I say, they got yeah. a number five album, but yeah. single-wise, not not so hot. Well, Even I really though you like the vocals. Yeah, yeah, I really like yeah. the vocals. Yeah, and you thought they had a number one. That's so you should have stuck with New Edition to be number one, and you didn't. Because obviously, as we move on to New Edition, 
we know there's a number one in here. Yeah, because at the beginning I was like, oh, new edition. I was like, no, not them. <sighs> so annoyed. You got right with the two number ones. You just got the bands wrong. I'll take getting the number right because I rarely get anything right. You got it right last week as well. You said none. Yeah, when you tried to play me and be like, are you sure there's none? When have we ever had a week where there's none? <laughs> okay, moving on to new edition. Yes, so these changed in sound compared to the rest of the week. I've gone for a bit of Motown, soul or and R&B. I think they're more R&B though. And they sound, someone's vocal sounds like a child. And also... They remind me of Michael Jackson or the Jackson 5, and especially Candy Girl. If you weren't listening, it sounds like ABC. And Connor even said, he sat down, he was like, if you didn't tell me who these were, I would have said they were the Jackson 5. And I went, no, they're not, but they sound like it. And I was listening to Candy Girl at the time, and he went, you need to look up which came first, ABC or Candy Girl. And I went, oh, my God, I've written down and it's got ABC similarities because I was watching the videos at this point, so I'd already listened. I like their hats in Candy Girl. They've got very nice hats. They're very young, which also reminded me of the Jackson 5. Um, But by the end, so from watching Candy Girl, then I watched something about you, they changed from being a bit more formal to they were wearing like more streetwear, you know, like, and that's where I think R&B played into it. They, like they just moved as they grew, grew up, I think. Um, they also did a bit of rapping in Hit Me Off. Yeah. So okay. yeah, they were nice and different to end the week. So New Edition is about one person really. So it's a bit like Michael Jackson, but to a lesser degree, but right. we'll go into it. So New Edition were... See if you recognise any of these names. Ricky Bell on lead vocals. No. Bobby Brown on secondary vocals. Ralph Presvant, primary lead vocals. Now, I'm not a bit sure how How that works. Yeah, so, you know. Um, Michael Bivins, rapping and backing vocals. There you go. And Ronnie DeVoe, rapping and backing vocals okay so if anyone i recognize bobby brown but i don't know why okay they were formed in 1978 in boston massachusetts okay and they are known as an r&b hip-hop pop ah hip-hop yes however they are more known for being pioneers of new jack swing New Jack Swing. Yes, which is, I had to look it up myself, yeah. a fusion of R&B and hip-hop. And oh. hence having two rappers in the... Ah, uh, to like bring group. it together, yeah. So, yeah. So, Bobby Brown left in 1985 and was replaced eventually in 1987 with Johnny Gill. So, two years they went without, but without. they had enough vocals. I was going to say they had enough. They had a primary, yeah. uh, it just meant that one of the primary stroke lead vocalists become a secondary vocalist. Mm. But to be honest, when watching like the videos or even listening to it, you can tell they all took it in turns. And I don't really get how there was like a lead and a 
Yeah. And whatever, I suppose because it's they all to do with the harmonies and yeah, maybe America is is isn't it? Yeah, um, there's a there's a recent band from America that was very much like that. Um, can't think who it was. Who are you on about? Um, you know recent bands, do you? I'm shocked. Well, I suppose nineties to early two thousands. Oh. Um, oh. oh, back to back to men. Men. Back to men. Back to men. Um, yeah, boys, boys to like men. That? Boys to men. That was yes. weren't they like that? What yeah. like harmonies and a bit different? Yeah, but things. a lot of them are. Yeah, that's what I'm I saying. I say that you know, by a lot of groups, block, you know. So, oh, look at so, you yeah. dropping names. So, um, Bobby Brown went on to have a successful solo career. However, Brown is better known for his relationship with. Whitney Houston. Ah, that's why I know. Whom he was married to from 1992 until their divorce in 2007. And they had one daughter, Bobby Christina Brown, who died in 2015, aged 22. Ah, so maybe that, um, that's why like, I subconsciously recognised his name. So Houston said in an interview that Brown had been emotionally abusive during their marriage yeah. and had even spat on her on one occasion. Houston mm. also admitted that both her and Brown used drugs, with Brown lacing Mariana with cocaine. And obviously oh. that was a downfall of Whitney Houston. Yeah. In 2004, Brown starred in his own reality TV program, mm -hmm. Being Bobby Brown, obviously in America. Yeah. Um, the show gave an insight into the domestic going-ons of the Brown household and featured Houston in unflattering moments. Oh. However, Houston stated she would not appear after series one because she got a lot of back. Backlash back for was it. at the prime, mm. or, you know, probably on the on the decline then, but you know, obviously she was in Bodyguard, the film, you know, yeah. she was big. She was big. big. Um, and Bobby Brown, I suppose, was trying to make it big on the back of her. Yeah. And um, I suppose with all the drugs and that sometimes, you know, they mess with you and what have you. Um, she wasn't pictured in great light, had bad media on the back of it and that. So mm. she then said she was not appearing in series two. So the show was never renewed for a series, second series. Oh, so even okay. though it's so a Bobby Brown show, the main reason for it was Whitney Houston. Yeah. Is the way I you know, it. when I was on YouTube watching the videos, I saw there's a new edition story as well. So mm -hmm. I'm intrigued and might watch that. Especially mm -hmm. now knowing about Bobby Brown, Whitney Houston. I wonder if that will have anything. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to update us. Um, new edition disbanded in 1989. However, they got back together in 1996, right. including Brown. So he okay. never joined because his solo career uh, it didn't, didn't do that well. Now, especially after all the bad publicity he got. Mm. And they recorded an album, Home Again, which went to number one on the Billboard 200 album chart and the R&B album chart. Okay. Um, however, during the Home Again tour, both DeVoe and Brown had a fist fight oh. on stage. On stage? And um, due to that, Brown and Bivins left the tour early. And again, it meant when the tour finished without those two, the band was ended Basically before it really ended started. Yeah. 
God. However, um, in 2002, so that was 1997, so they got back together in 1996, released an album, went on a tour, but all hell break loose, obviously, and by, no, by the end of 1997, they'd be disbanded again. Um, in 2002, however, they were formed again after the rapper-producer Sean Combs, I don't know if you know of him, I certainly don't, um, no, Coons, Combs, uh, persuaded them to reform. Oh. And in December 2021, they announced the Culture Tour. So they reformed. Oh, right, okay. Somewhere. And then that was in 2002. In 2021, they've actually announced the Culture Tour, um, which starts on February the 16th. Oh, what, this year? Yes. Oh, my God. So they're like and it will really will 30 still... cities, obviously in America. Yeah. Um, and it ends in April 2022. So they are still going. Wow. And still obviously touring. I've just looked up Sean Combs. He's Puff Daddy. Ah, oh, right. Okay. So I know him as Puff Daddy. Ah. Puff Daddy. Well, he's now a rapper producer, and oh, back in two thousand two, he got New Edition back together. Wow, that's mad, isn't it? Now I don't know if they've rebroke or whatever, but as I say, they're now touring again. So um, might be worth getting some tickets and um, seeing a fist. Oh fight. yeah, you can see two for one there, a fight and uh, music. <laughs> if it's anything like the previous, if time. it's anything yeah, you're into, yeah. Um, so they've had five top twenty singles. Two in the 80s, and their Home Again album is the only one that's really charted, or the only one that I can find. So, mm-hmm. whether it's the only one released over here, certainly the only one that's charted, and that was number 22 in 96. Oh, okay. So, you know, they've got a number one. Yeah. We know that now. Yeah. Which one are you going with? Candy Girl. Okay. So, 1983, Candy Girl did reach number one yes that was my favorite had the abc similarities it's a singer oh it's a good one it's been in my head a couple of times 1985 mr telephone man killed but sing along um that one got me got my attention on the first note i was like yes yeah a good one number 19 okay top 20 so now we're going into the 90s so obviously when they've reformed, so 1996. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Hit Me Off. This is the one that had rapping in it. So uh-huh. I was like, oh, they've changed. But obviously the 90s, so they've changed it in that way. But yeah, it went, it went a bad one. Number 20. Okay. And then 1997, so I guess again off the Home Again album, mm-hmm. um, Something About You. This was right up my street. I enjoyed this one. Yeah. Number 16. Okay, so top 20s. Yeah. Yeah. So it just shows you the difference in music, not just in the 80s, but also the mm. 90s. When you think of the Smiths had a second coming yeah. in the in the 90s with re-releases of their 80s songs, mm. which that actually done better, better in the 90s than the 80s. Yeah. And then you've got new edition with new music, but totally different to the Smiths mm. that are also... Not popular, actually, they didn't chart as well as they didn't know that I was gonna say they didn't know number eight eight and sixteen. Number sixteen, yeah. Where was their number twenty and number sixteen? Yeah. So there you go. Mm. So that was this week's. 
Yeah. So now to the all important hit or miss. Yes. Influenced so. into the 80s or leave it alone Never again. in the history books. <laughs> so the so, Smiths. In the vaults. So the Smiths, yes. They were a miss. I didn't enjoy I them either. No, yeah. Usually, if they've got that vast amount of music, I can get into them. But yeah, didn't. Yeah, they weren't with me. Um, Men at Work were a hit. I enjoyed them. Uh-huh. Yeah, there was just so did the Australians. It. Yeah, but then Ice House was a miss. Uh-huh. And so was Men Without Hats, but then Men Without Hats only had the one song. Yeah. I listened yeah. to others and they just weren't. If the other songs were anything like the Safety Dance, I think they would have been a hit. Because uh-huh. I really enjoyed Safety Dance. But because they were so different and they didn't keep down the same um, sound, they that, that was a miss to me. Like I've already explored other music of them. I'm not going to put myself out there. Just, um, just on Men Without Hats, obviously, yeah. um, from Canada. Yeah. Totally different to the other Canadian act we've listened to. Who's that? Martha and the Muffins. Echo oh, Hodge. yeah. Very different. Canadian. Yes. Very different, weren't they? Mm, that's true. Um, so Asia, I put them as a miss with a question mark because the two songs that you gave me, I liked both. We'll listen to them again. But then because I've listened to two others, I didn't like them. So it's like they're a miss in the sense that so I'm not going to go over. Let, let me just to, to try and influence you here. Right. You, off your own back, listen to two songs that were not hits anyway yeah. for a reason. Yeah. That, rather than the songs that you did listen to that also weren't hits at the time, but no, you even true. thought one of them was a number one. <laughs> yeah. So you like those two songs that yeah. I gave you. So yeah. in that sense, surely... Well, they're yeah, they're, they're hit with well, their hit. Just putting it out there. that. But that's the why I put a question mark, because I don't know. The, the hits that weren't hits, really, they didn't have a top 20 hit. Not that you didn't, not that you knew that. As I say, No, I was shocked that both of them one. weren't. Yeah, but I was so, shocked that um, both of them weren't. Yeah. So you're shocked that they weren't even hits in the 80s, but you're now putting them in as a miss because you went and listened to other songs of theirs that I didn't even get. Yeah, but you've also got to remember... hits in the 80s. But you've also got to remember, when I say that they're a hit, it means that I will go out and listen to more of their songs or explore them a bit more. I'm sure we've had hits for songs that I will listen to that song over and over again. You've just said you'll listen okay. to those two songs again. I will. Okay, let's put them as a hit because of the two songs. Let's yeah, let's do it. Because I will. They're two good songs. They are. And that's their two, that is their two hits of the 80s. Yeah. That's what yeah. we're discussing. Yeah. No, I no. would say that's yeah, a, they could be a, a big hit. influence that, yeah. there from dad. Dad educated daughter, dad influenced daughter, daughter has hits. <laughs> yeah, okay. Asia are a hit. With their two hits. And then New Edition, they were also a hit. I thoroughly enjoyed those. I think they're my favourite of the week. Uh-huh. But then, like I say, they give Michael Jackson vibes. So, yeah. Jackson vibes. So, yeah. 
I put I put down funny enough, men at work and new edition would be the hits. Okay. If any this if any this week. Yeah. I wasn't sure about Ice House and Men Without Hats. And I had a feeling the Smiths would be and would not be up your street. No, but I never know because there's there's some that are popping up my street that you've then said, Oh, I really like these, or you've said that I'm surprised you like these. So, you know. Yeah, you're weird. But... Okay. You Three out of six, then. Three out of six, I'll take that. Yeah. I mean, one I had to had to fight for, but um Yeah, but I did put this as a question mark. So I was, you know, questioning whether they should be because I do like both their hits. So good. Okay, next week then. Yes. Your groups are, or your bands are, Big Country. Okay. The Alarm. Right. Joe Boxers. Okay, these are weird names. They get weirder. Are oh you God. ready? Go on. Lotus Eaters. What on earth is that? <laughs> Orange Juice. I mean, that's weird, but at least it's not like Lotus Eaters. And Strawberry Switchblade. I'm sorry. Strawberry Switchblade. Yes. So just to re- recap, Big Country, The Alarm, Joe Boxers, Lotus Eaters, Orange Juice and Strawberry Switchblade will be your groups, bands for next week. Okay, I've not got so any any, any idea, any any you know. Oh, I know them. I've You've not mentioned of, any of them. them not heard I of any. I'm pretty sure we've mentioned orange juice quite a few times. In fact, I think we mentioned I mean, orange juice quite a lot last week with um, Aztec Hammer. Did we? Yes. Well, I probably took that as you were wanting some orange juice. <laughs> I don't I'm remember, now going like, to go downstairs and eat my lotus that's in the door. <laughs> <and, laughs> with a, with yeah. a glass of orange juice. Yeah. Oh, no one gets boxes. Get a set your alarm. <laughs> uh, in the big country. Oh, God. So, right, yeah. Right, okay. Okay, I will send you the songs to listen to. Not and got high hopes. I will, I will say happy little... Oh, that that could be quite interesting because this is an 80s this is a true mid well early mid 80s week okay so you're up your street um i wouldn't say totally up my street but there's a few in there that certainly some songs in there that i yeah would definitely be on my playlist sort of thing yeah okay all right we'll see okay yeah all right. Well, we're you discussing next week. You can find out which songs I like and um, whether you agree. And um, if we can get us uh, another three hits at the end of next week's episode. We will we see. Well, I don't know the names. I don't have high hopes. So we're, we're, okay. well, we're, we'll, we're we'll see if the music surprises you, because that's what this is about. Me educating you, influencing you on 80s music. Let's have a look. Uh, we'll see. Okay. Well, on that, I will say goodbye and um, find out how you how you did next week when we catch up. Yeah, you shall indeed. I'll speak to you then. You will. Okay. Bye bye. Bye, Dad.